Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Okay, going in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Carl and tonight I am joined by four members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hey there. I have Kev. Hello. I have Scott. Good evening. And tonight we have no Spence. He has been replaced by Chief Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, Carl. (laughs) Great to have you on again, mate. Uh, Bob actually listened to our three-part series on the stretcher fire stuff and had some comments that you wanted to bring up so today's episode is uh, is named command established for when uh, bob hits scene and or whichever captain hits scene and takes over and starts the job but before we get into that i just got a couple of shout outs um we do have uh, we've been having some really great comments and uh, reviews and stuff coming in from people we really appreciate it. the interactivity from everyone's really gone up over the past few months and we want to keep that flowing so if you do have questions um if you have things you want to shout out send to us feel free we get some really awesome pictures from a lot of guys sending us a whole bunch of stuff and uh yeah so if you've got anything you want to show us tell us definitely do send it in the messenger throw it up on the facebook we uh we, we enjoy it or tag us in something as well if you see something you think we'd we'd like to do or uh, maybe get us on some some new segments for us Anything like that, just uh, let us know. And uh, another big one as well is, uh, if you want to be on the podcast, we've got a huge um, bunch of people coming on quite soon, probably over the next few months, um, with interviews. We've got an interview segment coming up. So if you want to be on the podcast, you want to do an interview with us and uh, get on for a segment, then let us know, drop us a message. And uh, we've got some questions and bits and pieces. We're going to kind of keep it standard format. And uh, yeah. You can't be weird. <laughs> Scott's caveat <laughs> every time don't call me weird no weird <laughs> point to you a lot of the time if you're weird you probably don't know a lot of the time that you're weird it's like being stupid <laughs> what are you doing? it's too late um, so <laughs> well, you don't know if you're stupid or dead <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first you did hear it here first um, we're going to go to Scott you got some news for me <laughs> I do it's possibly the biggest news in the fire service in the last 20 years since 1995. Backdraft 2! Backdraft year. Backdraft year. <laughs> and it looks terrible. Oh, it looks awesome. I didn't even... <laughs> I don't know if awesome's a word. So, we use it in our training. So, uh, it inspires awe. Yeah. It's, it's got a... Looks like it's got a horrendous storyline and more people with no, ma- no masks on. It's going to be great. You know how many arsonists I've put in jail... Was that part of it? That was one. Oh, and, and I already was like, oh, that's, that's great. <laughs> There's a bunch of fire around him at one point, and he shoots a gun. So it's better than the axe, I guess. Take that Because the axe used to yeah, run away can. from fire, now it runs away from Bring bullets. a fire gun mm. to a fire axe fight, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that was all I had for news, really. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for our, our review of Backdraft 2. Mm-hmm. You should do a review of Backdraft 1 first. Well, yeah. I I, didn't we kind of partially? You had a backdraft episode. episode didn't I don't think it sucks as a review. <laughs> I, I think it's a pretty clear cut review, honestly. <laughs> anyway, sorry for everyone whose favorite movie that is. 
In fact, your your missus actually Ash when when Cass came on, she mm. said it was one of her favorites. When she was growing up, yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. But Glider Forty Nine was better. She said that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I know it's better. I just don't think it, it was. It was better. Yeah. Yeah. Still, there hasn't been a perfect firefighter movie. I think. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Still yeah. rescue me. There hasn't been one yet. Yeah, rescue mm-hmm. me was there. Maybe we'll write one. Why not? Yeah. For Most recently, I think the one with the wildfire. That was pretty good. Only the only the brave. No, what was it called? Yeah. Was it only, the only the brave? Only the brave. Yeah. I'm not sure. That was pretty good. Was it only the brave? That was good. Yeah, There's some weirdness to it, but it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny because I'm sat here and we're talking and we're doing this, and I look over at Bob and he's like, "This is exactly what I was talking about." <laughs> you guys just going straight off the subject, <laughs> not even paying attention. What were we talking about? We're, we're on the news. How about that wildfire? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shiny red bull. Um, <laughs> so we'll get back to the subject, Bob. Um, command established. So. Bob, you said you wanted to bring up a few things about what we talked about on the Stretcher Fire episodes. We go for us. Yeah, sure. Um, so we're a um, relatively small department in a rural area. We don't get a lot of big high-rise fires. So uh, I usually, uh, on uh, Stretcher Fires, go direct to the fire um, because if I come to the fire hall to get on a truck, they'll all be gone. We've got a lot of really eager guys, so. Only way I can get to a fire is go direct. On my way, if uh, a truck has already left the hall uh, and gets to the fire before me or a duty officer goes direct to the fire, as chief, what I would like to hear is lots of information what uh, what do you see? Uh, smoke coming out of uh, second story window. It's uh, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, I don't see any people around. My assumption then is we're going to have to do a rescue. Uh, so we should be looking for that. Um, you mean or, if there was if there was nobody outside from if there's from the nobody office. if there, if it's eleven o'clock at night a structure is on fire it's a house uh, and there is nobody standing in the driveway saying oh my, my cat fire. is still in there uh, then I'm going to assume that there are people in there right um, so so our first response would be a rescue um, now I think. And I could be wrong. I, I was wrong once before. Well, I wasn't really wrong, but I pretended you were making feel that. Yeah. No. Anyway, um, I I think that when the first arriving truck with an officer on it, that officer is probably uh, the most uh, likely person to lead an attack team. I, I like the captains to be team leaders, uh, to lead an attack team or a rescue team or whatever group it is that they have on their truck. So rather than that officer uh, staying as incident command, when I arrive, I would like to take over as incident command to free up that initial officer to then focus on what his truck crew is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's um, 
one of the things, one of the main reasons that I would want to take uh, command and become IC, Scott? Which is different than what we used to do. The mentality has changed since you became chief, which is which is really good mm -hmm. because it used to be. Um, I know our old chief or previous chief to Bob, and then maybe the previous one to that. Um, captains were not um, to lead the fire attack or to, to go in. Basically, they were to stand on the four corners of the structure and sort of oversee that operations. But I always found being a firefighter inside was challenging because you were like. Uh, what are we doing here? Because <laughs> you, you kind of have to, um, whoever was uh, kind of the senior guy would suddenly take over and it kind of nullified the captain outside because we'd be making decisions inside and then we'd come out and tell the captain what we were doing inside anyway. So, um, so I like the way, I just wanted to comment. It's, I Well, my feeling is the captains should be uh, among the most uh, capable of our firefighters. And they should be uh, leading, really in the fire department, the captains should be the leaders. I'm kind of an overseer guy, um, and I don't see myself as being the great leader, but I see our captains as being the leaders. They're the guys that our firefighters will follow into a burning building because they have confidence in them uh, to do a good job, do the right job. I have confidence in them that they're gonna do the right job uh, and a good job and an efficient job. And that um, I encourage the firefighters to look to the captains as they're the leaders. They're the ones that are leading. I kind of maybe give the department its overall flavor personality uh, but but it's the the captains that really are are the leaders in this department I think that's why with us because we um, and I'm, I'm not sure how some other departments do it but for us what we do is every two years we vote in captains and sometimes those captains can be the same people and sometimes they can be fresh people new people or just different people maybe that have that have changed or grown and, and they've become more of a, an asset so when we look at it that way we're not getting forced upon like there is nobody that is a captain that is forced upon us as a membership we all make a decision we all vote and we make that choice and that I think adds a little bit more value to what you were saying with following people into certain situations and, and being um, on that side of it because you were the guy who put him in that seat or her in that seat and you you did that because you trust them and you did that for a reason for whatever you being all of us yeah mm -hmm. yeah you being everyone. Yeah, the collective you. yeah the collective you right so you feel a little bit more confident about that person because again you know it, they, they were there for a reason right yeah i think the uh, officers captains that we have in this department at this point in time are all very capable they're they're guys that uh, that i trust and uh, so it's not that I don't trust them that I want to take uh, control as I see. Uh, it's just, if you are the first arriving officer, you, you see a situation and you send your manpower to start to 
solve that problem. So we've got a problem, could be a fire, could be whatever. So you send your team in to solve that problem, then you have to step back and say, okay, what other things do I need to solve? What other problems do I, oh, I need water, I need ambulance, I need the police, I need uh, somebody to do ventilation. Okay, so my feeling as, as a chief is that's more my responsibility. Your responsibility as captain then is when I get there, go back and look after your team. And the second arriving truck, if it's an engine, I can say, okay, he's got initial attack. You guys get ready to do ventilation. Uh, a tender arrives, okay, you guys uh, uh, set up water supply for whatever truck it is that's doing the initial attack. Um, maybe the second truck needs to, to do fire attack while the first truck uh, company uh, does a rescue it's all in flux until we know what's what's happening so I rather than the first responding um, officer staying as incident command um, I'd like to see him go to work it's a very new thing, like you were saying, Scott. It's a very new thing, a new concept that's been that's been taken on. And <clears throat> I think with the leadership that we've got now, it does seem to have been taken on very well because um, it seems like the guys we've got are ready and willing to, to go in and do those things, um, which is good because obviously making that decision still requires everybody to be on board and it seems to be the same with, with both camps, whether it be officers or, or firefighters. Uh, <clears throat> Ash, can you talk to... Because, yay, yay, red hat now. <laughs> Ash, is a, Ash just recently got promoted to captain, along with Scott, in fact. And uh, so, yeah, great, great, great news. Both uh, both good leaders. And in this instance, do you see where Bob's coming from? Could you add any points to that? So maybe something that you see now is, is easier, an easier task, being the guy in the door? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, coming off of what... Uh, we've all just been saying here now where I don't think, you know, Scott, myself, um, a few of our, our other captains would be here if it was the way it was before, uh, where you would just pick a corner and sit there and that was your role as a captain. So the way that we're moving towards it now, like Bob says, when he arrives on scene, whether he's first or whether the truck gets there first, whatever it might be, the fact that you're looking after that manpower when the first engine arrives or the first you know rescue truck whatever it might be you are you're you you're not running the tools but you're running the manpower you're you're their leader um you know having bob or even um whenever officer arrives because we have our duty officer arrives first and if bob wasn't around like some sometimes bob doesn't go go uh, direct so having that person uh overseeing the big picture and looking after you know you in that truck, looking after your manpower. Um, I I love the way that that has transitioned over the past couple of years. Um, you're still involved. You're still getting dirty. You're not running the tools, but you're you're still very much involved. And like you said, you're leading your team. It's that span of command thing, mm -hmm. Scott. Yeah, I think Ash was saying it. Um, <laughs> you can't be the you can't be the first of the door because um, you're not holding those. 
you're like the third in the step in the line. You're not even really on the stack. You're like everybody's doing their thing, and uh, the way we're training it right now is um, um, like we have the officers on training nights. They just they'll go if we're doing burn building night, they'll go up and down the line, make sure everybody's okay, and I will ask them as a training captain. I'll be like, hey, who, who's in there right now? And they'll be like, uh, so we're starting to throw those at them now, because so, I want them to start understanding these are the things that because yeah. um, in the old in, in the past it used to be like they'd stand outside, so, so they kind of know who's in there. But now it's like you're in there, you're also watching the fire and stuff, but you still have to be aware of where everybody is. Mm-hmm. So it's it, it's kind of changing your training as well a bit. Well, actually quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So we're, and we're just getting into that. This Kind of this year is our first year of uh, making sure the officers are, are being actively on uh, going in and out of the structure or at the accident scene. They're overseeing a certain section of a, of a car accident or mm-hmm. like extrication team leader, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way you just said that there was, it's completely changing the way that we train because before it was so focused, and I mean with all the playbook stuff that we're coming through, it was so focused on the firefighter and there wasn't, I mean I don't remember the last time that we really focused on any officer type training, it was so focused on the firefighter where now you have to think about, okay, there's firefighter training but also officer training, um, it's, yeah, deeper. Yeah, it's a, it's a big door to open, right, because, <clears throat> you know, it, as a firefighter, you assume that the officer knows everything, and the officer potentially should know a lot of the skill sets. But when it comes to the training side of things, that's why everyone being there is important. And having those guys take lead um, in their scenario pieces is is more, getting more and more important just because of the way that we're training. Well, and as a training captain now, what I'm trying to do is because um, Ash is also in the training section, and basically all of our officers are involved in training. But what I want, I'm trying to get them to do is um, I'll, I'll take one of them out, like even myself, I'll, I'll take myself out of teaching for the night and put me into a role as a captain. That's what I'm trying to do. Because there's you got your teaching role, which is telling everybody what to do, and da da da. But when, you're, when you put yourself into the role of, uh, of the captain on the, on the attack line, it's totally different than you're not an instructor anymore. Because you got a whole other series of things to worry about. So I'm trying to do that with our captains right now. Even though it's nice to see they're all now, I think every one of them is involved in, in the training section, mm-hmm. um, in some way, shape, or form. So, but now, I, now that we've got them all involved, I want some of them to take a step back so we can put them in areas where they uh, where they need to um, learn the leadership part uh, inside the actual structure. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I like a point that you brought up, Kyle, that uh, that the firefighters assume the captains know what they're they're doing and so they should be involved in training and i really like the idea of of captains going into the building with their team mm-hmm. um, because really i think the captains do know more than some of the firemen uh firefighters um lots of them are experienced some are less experienced and uh, as a captain uh, it's nice if you're in there and say hey you know what if you just swirled that hose a little bit or if you just made a pencil up onto the ceiling uh, that would be more effective um, because they've been to the training uh, they've done the same scenarios um, and Sometimes when you're at least 
I can try and remember back to when I was on the nozzle. Uh, sometimes you got a little bit excited. And uh, if there's somebody just two notches back, uh, they get a little bit broader picture of what's happening. It's the same was with the IC. IC is, is back from the action and sees a broader picture. Um, the same with the captain. He's two steps back from the nozzle man or three steps back from the nozzle man and he sees a little bit wider picture and, uh, and can say, hey, you know what? Do this, do that. Squirt it over there. Um, if you're gonna squirt water, squirt it on something. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it, it comes back to that, and we talk about it quite a lot. That you know, um, stepping back and uh, taking taking a look. D detached. Detached. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Right. That's yeah. What, yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because I could see you, you and you were looking like, and then Bob just covered it straight. And I was gonna do the same thing because yeah. you're right. There are situations, even the situations I've been in where the the pressure um, you you know what you're supposed to do uh, but especially when you're new and you're you're in those initial situations you know what you should do but your brain doesn't do that and that's just down to the fact of the the lack of repetition because you're new um, and you haven't kind of learned that muscle memory yet to just do the thing um, over the stress and having somebody like you said a couple of steps back from you that just kind of point that out hey you know what if you were just doing this this would be a lot quicker, safer, whatever, or maybe you should be in this position. Don't forget to, you know, like, we don't want to get too far into the, the poke, 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 do this, do that, because obviously we all need to still make mistakes, but when it comes to some of those things, I think it's important too. Scott? I think one thing we're doing now is, I remember when years ago, the nozzle person used to, they had a whole lot of stuff they were doing. Because like, we, we were doing the attack certain way and uh you know the nozzle guy was he was he was checking the door he was he had a sometimes he had a halligan bar with him he was sat on the floor he was doing all this stuff he also had the nozzle um every once in a while he have a tick attached to him <laughs> and then we started looking at well that's way too many things for one person to try to do like so we we basically stripped it right down to the nozzle operator is not operating the nozzle because that's enough stuff for them to do um and sounding the floor obviously when they go um, we're for the most part we're sitting on our floor with our with our foot as we go because we're doing a kind of that new that slide method. Yeah. Um, we tend to leave our tools right outside the structure right now if we need them if we need a breach or if we if we believe that the floor is going to be really uh, sketchy we will sound it. But for the most part you don't need to take all those tools in with you. So we've stripped down the nozzle operator. We've given some more roles to the um, backup person, but but we've also stripped some of the backup person's duties down and we've given that to the, the door control person. So the door control person does a lot of more hose movement now. So we've we've taken that. Um, we that used to dump a lot on one on one. And and when we didn't have a captain, the nozzle operator used to have to make a whole lot of decisions, and all that gets compounded. And then you get poor decisions. So now we've spread out that kind of those decisions, and and uh, we've we've shared the workload. And I think it's better. I think more guys are they're doing better. They're making better decisions and doing better work. I'd agree. I mean, when you're in there, even on the training session where we were, uh, we were in the Burma, it was just the smoke and then that one fire in the in the side room there. When we were moving hose and just bumping up, that just, just that initial, you know, switching out, knowing your role for what you're doing for that position, <clears throat> it's way easier to concentrate on what you're doing and the person in front of you because obviously you can't see the third guy. Sometimes you can't even see the second guy because it's so smoky. 
but just having your job of feeding house, just having your job of helping the first guy move the line as your secondary backup and then targeting up with your um, with the tick in front of the front guy just to give him some extra eyes. Mm-hmm. And then as the front guy sounding your floor and you know streaming and cooling that gas as well as hitting the fire and moving forward, all of those things are way easier to do when you've only got two or three of them to do and not 10. Because yep. you're right. Again, you don't want to, in the high stress situations, as basic and full back to the training as you can get, but obviously you still want to be able to, to just do the thing, make the decisions and not have to remember seven other things you should be doing at the time. Um, so Bob, when you, <clears throat> when you first get to seeing, we were just initially talking about the, um, say you were, we were coming up for a search um, and the first attack team is going to be in there, probably the second track more than likely if we're entering is probably going to end up being RIT depending on how many people we have obviously, but RIT obviously being an important part of that. Um, what else would you like to see on scene pretty pretty sharpish? Because obviously with us being in a rural area, I know we talked about tenders and things like that, so how would you see that going? Well, depending on what we're dealing with, if we're dealing with a structure fire that's not fully involved, um, I, I would like to have uh, an attack team, another team for ventilation, um, obviously water supply, um, just... Um, Guys know what they're supposed to do. I uh, primarily we just do attack, ventilation, rescue. Not necessarily in that order, but well, and you give us your intent, your command yeah. intent over the radio, like, hey, this is a fully involved. We're just gonna surround and drown, or you know, we're gonna have to do a search. So right away we're like, okay, truck one's gonna do search. Second truck's probably going to do the attack, or if we get there and we have to do some hose work before we go in. But we know your intent by, and then more training hopefully kicks in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, m- my intention is to tell an officer, a captain, uh, listen, your truck's the attack team. And I, I don't think I should be telling you how you do the attack. You, you should know how to do that. Captains, or well, not all, not you, <laughs> all of the captains. <laughs> we got two captains here tonight. And uh, I think... And Kevin. And Kevin. <laughs> and Kevin. still here. He's a <laughs> um, But the, uh, the, um, the captains should know what they're supposed to do. If they're going to do an attack or they're going to be in charge of uh, ventilation, or they're in charge of, of a search team, uh, whether it's Vendetta Isolate Search, I might suggest, hey, it looks like there's a bedroom in the back. Maybe somebody could just uh, BIS that room. Make sure if you're gonna enter, if you're gonna ventilate it, make sure you close the door so we don't get ventilation that we don't want. Um, they're probably going to know that already. Um, I'm probably going to say it. Um, it's but implied. <laughs> yeah. Sorry? The eyes are blind. So, uh, um, if I say, okay, you're, you're, you guys do the initial attack, 
I am not going to come up and say, okay, well, I want you to put a door guy here and I want you to get the fan ready and I want you to do this. Uh, I want you to get this hose and a guy behind him. That, that's your job. <laughs> you know how to do your job. I, I'm just, I got other things to do. I've got to call for uh, gas shut off if there's gas. I got to call for power to be shut off if there's power. Uh, if we have a structure fire, we automatically call for an ambulance to come to do our rehab. Um, if, uh, if depending on where it's located, we probably will have the police attend just because they don't have anything else to do that night. <laughs> 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 That's a small town. No crime here. <laughs> so, so uh, we love you. Coach. I'm gonna. I've I've got things I got to figure out. Okay. Uh, if we need uh, water tenders, where are we going to put the uh, the tank? Who's uh, who's on the tender? Where are they going to get water from? And uh, so th that's enough for me. And then I'll be walking around as a safety officer. And if I see something that I think is unsafe, I will tell the captain, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm really worried about that. Um, can you just check on it? Ash talking up over there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Just so we, we're not leaving him out, um, is we're talking about the captains, we're talking about the chief. We haven't mentioned where the deputy chief belongs in this <laughs> in this scenario. Um, and, not, and quite often, I know, like if you're not there, um, Brian will be there, and he'll be he'll just instantly become an incident commander. But sometimes you're there, and he's there, and Brian being the the deputy, the deputy chief. chief. Yeah. And uh, I, I know he's very good at um, at the safety officer role. And taking up kind of the, the slack, um, or maybe not the slack, taking some of that workload that you would have. Um, well, uh, often uh, he will be on a truck as a truck officer, right. and and so he will be an additional attack officer, whatever. Uh, he'll. I'll be happy to hear that. Because <laughs> he, uh, he still likes getting in there. He does. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I have no problem with him. Uh, if he's on a truck, if he's the officer on a truck, he better be prepared to pack up and and lead a team. Be on the, be yeah. on the back seat like three <laughs> weeks ago. Car fire, yeah, three weeks ago. Fire, like, that was my first night as a captain. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm, I'm going to take the back seat because Brian's here. Brian's like, I'm going to sit in the back seat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, which is awesome because he's right. That's, <laughs> that's nice like, to see. Him. Yeah. That's yeah. nice yeah. to see. And I think that, again, it comes to that, like you don't get, there's there's not this great big power struggle like yeah. you know with the the chiefs and the de and the deputy and the captains it's just like everyone's very just open to knowing what's gonna more than likely happen and it's not an issue and there's reasons for it but like you said when you arrive to the scene and you take over it's so that you can have that guy go and do the thing that that's really his job and that's what he should be concentrating on yeah. but on the instances where Maybe Speedy hops in, and and he's uh, Brian. He's taking that. He's taking the role which Scott would have taken. So Scott's now the captain, and he's just now backing up for the firefighter stuff. He's got that other perception, but now you've got somebody else who maybe is doing a portion of what the deputy chief position would be, even though that's not really their job. So everyone gets this little piece of cross training as well. Yeah. At the same time, there, so. there are times when um, somebody is acting as the IC on a call. And I'll arrive on scene, and I'll just stand back and let it go. It's going. Everything's going fine. Um, 
I'll maybe just act as a safety officer and let them continue on as I see. Yeah, it's good to uh, <clears throat> it's good to see those different different pieces. And again, for everybody who um, is listening, it, it may not be the same for you. We had a um, very autocratic um, <laughs> leader before, and it was a, it was a challenge to have that process run the way that we're running it now. It's taken us a long time to get to this, and it wasn't just from internal push. Um, it was it was a complete change with with you taking over, Bob. Um, and a different way of thinking, right? It took some well, time. Well, I'm not threatened by allowing the captains and deputy chief to be leaders. I think, personally, I think the captains are the leaders. They should be the leaders of the department. Um, I, I don't think it should be, hey, everybody follow me, do it the way... I'm I'm the leader. Everybody follow me. That's not the way it should be. Uh, I'm a resource. As chief, I'm a resource. The real leaders are the captains. It's a solid way of looking at it, and I think it's very. I think it's a very uh, different way than a lot of departments. Um, yeah, I think a lot of departments probably from and definitely from some of the listeners and things that I've spoken to, they are in situations that were very much like ours previously. Um, yeah. Or they're in a situation where there's not much actual leadership and there's no actual leaders apart from maybe some firefighters and their captains have done the old, um, gone there to die, right? It's right. that position of, <laughs> I can't no, handle a nozzle chief. anymore. <laughs> Go ahead at one time. Sometimes the captains here or... So uh, there, there are times when I am the leader when it comes to budget. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm the dad. Anybody that has kids, you know that your kids will come and they'll ask, hey, dad, can I have a new bike? Can I have a skateboard? Can I have a snowboard? Can I have a new shirt, a new sweater, a new hat? Our bikes and, 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 uh, <laughs> and uh, as the dad, you have to just say, ah, you know what? Not this week. So, <laughs> so, I, you know, I so sometimes I have to take that role. Now, I know that it's a great thing that you need to have, but you can't have it this time. Let's go. When you say no, I want to know who the mom is that I can go <laughs> That said no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't say that. I mean, <laughs> so. Go ask your father. What did Bob say? Bob said it was okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Still went for my yellow hat. So. Uh, <laughs> It'll be a long wait. <laughs> But you're right, you're right. And it is good to get that uh, that piece, like I said, with the cross-training and everybody taking a, a, a different role. Um, and I, I'm sure as well, especially now, because uh, Brian especially has always been very involved with the training, um, which has been which is great. Um, so when he comes on scene, when he takes the back seat and he goes back into that role, he already knows what he's doing. He doesn't have to really kind of go back to another piece of training because he's already been doing that role or at least overseeing that position to the point where he, he knows what he's doing, which is useful. And again, what we all should be able to do, we, sh we should all be able to do those jobs on the nozzle, on the, the grand crew teams, that's, that's our jobs. 
And you're right. And the, one of the biggest things that I've noticed over time is that exact change of allowing others to, and people in your, in your crews to just, you know what, I want that door breached. Go and do that. Go and do the thing, right? You know what you're supposed to do? Go and do it. And one of the, the things that I've noticed especially is the conversations that happen in the back of the trucks. Kev, you want to talk a little bit about what goes on in the back? Well, so officer makes a call. Well, it seems like, like, I think we take for granted how smooth our team works, I guess now, like in the recent, the not so recent past, I guess we didn't have it running as smoothly, but, uh, so the, <laughs> when it comes to the back seat and the officer, I, I tend to feel like those three guys sitting in the back, we kind of have a plan going already. The officer's busy up front. He's listening to the radio. He's trying to get as much information for us as possible. And we're sitting there. We come up with a basic plan, kind of let him know or he hears what we're already planning. He'll either turn around and be like, hey, yeah, you guys are on the right track. Perfect. Go that way. Or, oh, hey, guys, this is, a, this is what's happening right now. This is what I'm hearing. Let's go with this. We should be going like Big Walter or whatever we need to do. <laughs> so, and the noisy cricket. Yeah, Big Walter. It sounds like a band, doesn't it? Big Walter and the noisy cricket. Big water. <laughs> water. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it it goes so much more smoothly. But then, like, what best laid plans are mm-hmm. as good as when you arrive on scene, right? Everything could change as soon as you walk up there. Well, I think like the last. Sorry, not the last structure fire. The one just before that. The one where you, uh, the trailer that was burning. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, I mean, we could see it from the highway. So oh, we yeah. right away were like, uh, you know, I asked Bob. It's, it's, and I, I think when him and I first talked, he misunderstood what I said. But I said, you know, we're going to go two and a half and an inch and a half. And he said, no, two and a half. I said, but I think you only heard me say inch and a half. And I said, yo, yeah, I understand. Two and a half and an inch and a half. And then he's, yes, that's right. So when we pulled up, I just literally got off the truck, went to Ash because he was duty officer and um, handed him my some of the accountability stuff and I knew what was going on with the three guys so I didn't even have to do anything I was just like well like I, I turned around and they had they were pulling everything off and then I just helped deploy the rest of their um, lines out and then started taking my doing my look to make sure like where the power lines were and stuff like that and kind of guiding the guys where I wanted the um, water to go so yeah it really worked out well because the plan on the back was already established yeah, <clears throat> I, I, those talks as well while you're in the back and you're having those conversations, it's another piece of team building. It's another piece of trust as well because you're building that relationship with the two other people in the back as well as taking orders and, and, and the, the leadership points from the front. But you guys are making decisions. You now feel more important in your role. You're not just the guy on the end of the nozzle doing the thing. That's an extremely important role, but you made the choice to, or at least you were part of a decision that grabbed that. So now you feel more involved as opposed to you do this, you do that, do it this way. And it's, it's not that way at all. And it definitely empowers you to feel a little bit more confident in your choices that you make. Kev? Well, it seems like you're taking away that much, or like that much more work for the officer. Cause even dependent, like we usually have, our seats on the back of the truck for in the engine. We have the sides are usually our go-to nozzle men for each pre-connect on each side. And the middle guy is the 
tour guy. Yeah, the tool guy. So, <laughs> yeah, sometimes that doesn't really work out by how it lays down what's happening on the call. Like an MBA, you're in the back, you need to kind of gauge amongst yourselves, like who's comfortable with what and who should be doing what and going where and working tools and stuff like that. So it's nice, I think, for the officer up front to be able to be comfortable with knowing he doesn't have to turn around and go, hey, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing this. He just says, hey, we got to go do this thing, and off they go. It's already predetermined amongst themselves what's happening. So. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Bob, with the conversations going on in the back? Uh, yeah. It's, you know, we, we often talk about chain of command. And so uh, as the chain of command works both ways. Um, so as, as the chief or incident commander, I, I rely on the captains or the officers. And uh, they then in turn rely on the firefighters. And uh, so uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to firefighters. They're just peasants. <laughs> I, I'm going to talk to I'm going to talk to the officers. Yeah. Okay. And that not because I don't want to talk to them. Not that I don't know what they're supposed to do. It's just a courtesy to the. Uh, that's the way the chain of command works. I I tell uh, the captains or the officers, hey, this is what I want done. And I don't have to tell them how to do it. Then they, in turn, talk to their firefighting team and say, hey, listen, this is this is what we're going to do. If you, guys, you guys have already discussed who's going to be on the nozzle, who's going to be the backup, uh, who's going to carry the tools. You've already you've already set that up. And and the captain probably on the way there has had a, a minute or two to say, hey, you guys, uh, we're coming up to a hydrant. Uh, which one of you guys is going to get the hydrant? Okay, so the guys in the back, that's, you know, you're going to get the hydrant. You two guys are going to get uh, the nozzle and the attack. Um, that's that's the firefighters and the captain. That's their job. Yeah. In that... Uh, fire that Scott was talking about, it was a uh, pre-70s uh, single-wide mobile home fully involved. And I think uh, Ash, you and I got there more or less around the same time. Yeah, you were pulling, you were parking as I was turning onto the street. Yeah. And I'm like, how does he get there so fast? <laughs> <laughs> Throws the gasket. <laughs> oh, hey, huh? So on that on that particular one, Ash started out as IC, and I said, "Well, you know what? Why don't you look after this side, Scott? You're going to look after this other side. Uh, whoever is the next person is going to be around the, the back." Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to bring that up. I wasn't going to bring that up. The one, uh, yeah, uh, the one it. officer that was supposed to be looking after the uh, west me. side, uh, <laughs> uh, he just happened to migrate over to the 
Trust, oh, trust this guy's enough. In, to fairness, be trusted. in fairness, it was after most of the fire was on. <laughs> I walked yeah. over to talk to, to find out what we were doing for the mop up phase. <laughs> I think I did go over and say, um, "Who have you got over on that side?" I was mostly right. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting one about that that fire it was so it? thick I can see it was, it was looming with smoke, and it wasn't just the house. This house was surrounded by like dead vehicles. There was a couple of sea dews, some oh, yeah. motorbikes. Oh, like eight cars there was a pit of transmissions that you had to walk over on your <laughs> side yeah. I was like what is this it was, uh, it was an interesting and then like yeah. about six propane canisters there as mm-hmm. well which we were trying to get well, yeah because when the guys were hitting it with a two and a half because um, that is kind of our go to with a two and a half and it knocks the heat right out of it yeah. um, I look over and Jason's like got like he's like like he's carrying children out but they're, they're actual <laughs> propane cylinders he's like, walking out with them <laughs> And, and jerry cans. And, and lots of jerry yeah. cans. Yeah. It, was, it was a really interesting one. And it was one of those that you really needed to be on your toes for. Because there was hazards everywhere. Oh, yeah, there was everywhere. The power lines, the wall was coming down with the power lines attached Well, to by it. that time, though, we had we had uh, yeah, the power but, cut. So that was, yeah, you and I ended up actually cutting the wires right off the thing. Yeah. It was like, uh, yeah. It was like, take them out. This is dead, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, bring one of for me, it was kind of a scary one because it was uh, the middle of the night. Um, the resident, we knew the resident. We'd already been there once before for a different call. Uh, and the resident was confined to a wheelchair. And uh, I was, I, I didn't see anybody around. Mm-hmm. What you said when we pulled up, there might be a couple in there. Yeah, yeah. the initial... The initial we, we response was that there was two people inside, but there's, and it was there's uh, no rescue. when we got <laughs> there, it it was not going to be a rescue. It was going to be a recovery. However, we did find out that both of the residents were not at home at that point, which I took a big sigh of relief. <clears throat> Telling you that's not the kind of thing that we like to look for. It's very true. It's very true. Yeah, no one really likes to go in and, and deal with recoveries and no one really likes to be in those buildings as they go up for sure. And I think it's good on either side. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, that call went really well, I think, for for the way it went. I think the, the teams worked really good, uh, especially for it because it was a 3 a.m. call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're that drowsy, and it's one of the, those times that it's funny because those calls all tend to come in around that almost the same time, that two three a.m. mark. It's, it really yeah. is a weird one, but um, you know when you're working on that period and that level of sleep, and you're kind of disturbed, your brain takes a while to kick into gear. But everyone seemed to be on point, and it was cold too. That night. It was cold. Everything was fro- We were pouring water on it, and yeah, it was freezing it was. before it hit the ground. It was some funny stuff. Was it minus like fourteen or something like that? Yeah. It was a risk. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty risky. Yeah. And point of fact, we used the uh, the old RZ mask that night. We right? did. That's right. We did use so the, plugged RZ the RZ mask. mask. Actually, yeah, uh, Warren was our pump operator, mm-hmm. and uh, he initially parked in a very good spot. Yeah. And then, of course, because it always happens, the wind shifts. Well, he can't very well just drive the pumper away, the engine away. He has to stay where he is. So he uh, he sees me walk by. I was like, "Hey, you own those uh, those RZ masks?" <laughs> I do. <laughs> Make sure you take pictures. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're still in the testing phase of them. Yeah. And, and he said once he once he put it on correctly, because at first I think he put it on a little loose. Yeah. So once he put it on correctly, it actually worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not being an SCBA, obviously, but for where he was, it was uh, it was doing its job. Because I mean, he wasn't right right in the structure fire smoke, but it was billowing towards him. Mm-hmm. 
It's getting a little thick there for a while. I think you had yours on too, right? Yeah, I had mine on. I was second to... Yeah, face one two and it's minus. Well, that was it. <laughs> I took that off and I was like, oh, Jesus. Pulling <laughs> up my collar and put my balaclava on. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cold. But yeah, it did, uh, it did help keep a little bit of that uh, smoke and nasty out of there. So Yeah, we got a... Uh, we're As Scott said, we're still in the testing phase with those masks. Um, they've been great so far for what we've used them for. We've used them for cleaning out the burn building. Again, we've used them on scene for some of the guys that have actually been on the on the pump decks for the trucks. Um, they are they have been useful so far, but we're going to do a full review. We'll do a video review as well, and uh, we'll get that out so everyone can take a look. And we've also got a code coming in for those too. So if you're thinking about buying one, hold off for just a, a little while, and we'll have a code for you so that you can get a big discount. And then, Chief, we might even come to you and maybe ask for... We actually discussed it the other day. And, Ask for uh, some monies. <laughs> Possibly in a meeting we talked. Yeah, about. <laughs> yeah, because they're going to be brilliant for for uh, welfare season. I can hardly wait till I get one. <laughs> you know, I'd be more sympathetic <laughs> <laughs> if I had one. I see how this works. <laughs> that is how we. Uh, that is one way to get stuff. <laughs> That's how we might have got a water gear, a one point water rescue gear. <laughs> The, the chief and deputy chief came to the water rescue course and realized, oh yeah, we need a whole bunch of gear. <laughs> I'm I'm not opposed to buying new gear, more gear, all kinds of gear. It's just you can't first. buy everything at once. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Please sure every department that, that was in. Uh, that was at 48 minutes. Okay, we're gonna so. cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> it on my phone. That's that part. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, we'll use that for the like Macaulay Culkin. Is, yeah, is this the chief? Yes, I am not opposed to <laughs> play your voice recording back. <laughs> Has anyone got anything else to add to this one? It's a good one. All good? Well then, I think we're going to wrap it up for this evening. Thank you everyone for listening. Ash? Yeah. Kev? Goodbye. Scott? Oh, oh. <laughs> <Kevin>. <laughs> Good night. And Mr. Bob, Chief. Thank you for having me here tonight. It was a pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe. <laughs> <laughs>